Hey everyone, what you're about to hear is an episode of the Filmcast After Dark, which is typically made exclusively available to folks at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Every once in a while, we release one of these on the main feed, just so you all know what's happening over there. Uh, we recently had episodes reviewing Squid Game and Midnight Mass, a lot of requests for those. And this episode is our conversation with Valerie Complex from Deadline about the Julia Ducournau movie, Titan. So enjoy this episode of the Filmcast After Dark. If you want to sign up for more episodes in the future, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash filmpodcast. We've got ad-free episodes there, uh, as well as exclusive After Darks, depending on which tier you sign up for. Thanks to everyone who supports us. Also, a quick note that there was some microphone noise in the background. Apologies for that. I think the episode is still very listenable, uh, but just wanted to note that up top. All right, enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast After Dark, the after show where we talk about a variety of random topics. I'm here today with Devinder Hardwar. Joining us also for a very special episode of the After Dark is Valerie Complex, an editor at Deadline.com. Valerie, welcome back to the Filmcast. How are you doing this evening? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I know this is is my first time on the podcast as someone who has a job. Hey, listen, every time I see your title, Valerie, I just want to like cheer. Because like, yeah, you're getting what you deserve there. Yeah. Well, congrats, congrats on the recent gig at, mm-hmm. at uh, Deadline.com. I've also read a bunch of your work recently at like Gizmodo. So um, it's been great that you have uh, you have completely surpassed the film cast in terms of notoriety <laughs> and talent. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> so we're wow. really we're really pleased to have you here. Uh, and today on the film cast after dark, what we're going to be doing is discussing Julia Ducarno's new movie. Titan, which is available right now for rent and purchase on video on demand. Um, and that's that's the entire after dark. That's all we're going to be discussing today. But before we get into full spoilers for the movie, uh, why don't we just take a minute or two to talk about uh, what it is we liked about the movie or didn't like about the movie and who you think this movie is for. Valerie, let's start with you. Are, are you a fan of this film? And if so, who do you think this is for? I am a huge fan of this film and the film isn't for everybody. You got to be a specific type of person, (laughs) you know, film critics, they watch whatever. So, you know, (laughs) but we're talking about general audience. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You got to be into body horror. You got to be into violence. You got to be into, you you just got to, you got to be into queer narratives. That's the kind of stuff you got to be into. Mm. You got to be into horror. You know, and all of those things kind of technically intersect. You know, horror has always been a little bit queer, um, a little bit camp, you know, and, you know, there's always been an element of sort of, you know, identity issues in, in a lot of horror films. So if you're that type of person, then this is definitely for you. All right, Devinder Hardwar, any thoughts on that question before we get to spoilers? Yeah, uh, I, I do have to say that this movie is made for people who are very open-minded about their <laughs> movie watching because this was one of the wildest experiences um, you know I've had in a theater. I haven't seen too many movies in a theater since uh, since the whole pandemic started. So I was happy to like go into an empty theater and check this out. Then some people came in in the back towards the end, and then I was like, okay, that's cool. It's just a few people. Then it was just like all of us watching this mesmerizing, horrifying, baffling movie at times. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I don't think it's like I didn't immediately like love it like I did Raw, Julia DeCurno's first movie. Uh, but if you liked Raw, 
I think this is definitely worth a follow up. If you want to just follow somebody who I think is one of the best new voices in filmmaking today, um, you should check it out. Just be open minded. Um, maybe it's not the same. It's not exactly a date movie. I'd say depends on who your date is. Uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to show my wife this movie, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think you you all are right about being open-minded. I think that this is a movie that very much plays with the boundary between reality and fantasy. Uh, and it's certainly an unconventional narrative, both in terms of the story and in terms of style. And it's intense. It's an intense movie. There is body horror, there's gore, uh, upsetting subject matter, and so on. Uh, but it also is quite tender. In, in many ways. And I think we're going to talk about that shortly. So uh, overall, it sounds like a movie that we all think is worth seeing, but it is not for everyone. And mm -hmm. if you are not a fan of intense things, if you're not a fan of upsetting things, I think stay away from this one. All that said, Valerie, let's go back to you. Uh, you actually had a chance to interview the director of this movie. Obviously, I think we all loved her first movie, Raw. I thought that movie was a masterpiece. Uh, I'm curious, what were some of the, th now let's talk full spoilers. So no, no worries about spoiling anything. Like what were some of the parts of this movie that you appreciated the most specifically? What I, what I liked about the film, I think it wasn't until I left the theater and thought about it. And I was like, wow, that's, it's really a film about rebirth and redemption. Mm. And it, what, that wasn't what I was expecting from from this film I don't know if I was expecting a typical slasher or whatever but it definitely wasn't the route that I expected it to go and when I figured that out I was like you know that it's a very sort of sweet and and touching film despite all the horror that it puts the audience through I think especially when it came out of Cannes, a lot of directors were, I mean, a lot of directors, a lot of critics were just kind of like, oh my God, she had sex with a car. I'm like, okay, yeah, but um, <laughs> that is that all that's interesting? <laughs> and then, you know, you see the film and you're like, oh, okay, so there's, there's much more than that. Actually, like fucking the car as the least of the problems and the issues <laughs> that the character has to deal with. So it's yeah. true. Uh, it's true. What is yeah. the symbolizing uh, symbolism behind the car fucking, you know, it's the questions we got to ask ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, sorry, uh, Valerie, did, were you finished? I, I didn't no, mean to no, interrupt. No, 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 no. Yeah. I no, think, okay. What, what's interesting about this movie is it starts as a slasher movie. Like you said, uh -huh. so uh -huh. there's this in incredible sequence of her kind of, uh, dancing with the car, like most of it done in one long shot, if I recall correctly. And then that she... is an incredible scene. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Just an amazing sequence. Um, and uh, the uh, so then following that, she gets approached by like basically a stalker who, who assaults her and uh, in she kind of uh, kills him right in retaliation. And, at that point, you know, I'm still like, oh, okay, like I'm still figuring out what kind of movie this is, right? Uh, then she fucks the car, and I'm like, okay, whatever, like I could see that happening. So, um, so it goes, yeah. <laughs> so it goes, and then she, then she, like, so at this point in time, I'm still like fairly. Uh, I don't necessarily empathize with her, you know. Uh, I empathize with her killing that guy for sure, but like. The car mm -hmm. fucking, I'm like, okay, like, you know, that's not what I would do necessarily, but okay, like, <laughs> it's within the realm of understanding. 
Um, then she kind of gets courted by one of her colleagues and proceeds to then murder her co- her like friend who she kind of has a sexual encounter with and then like all of that friend's roommates rather mercilessly and brutally in a kind of like comedic scene too yeah, it's like it's, it's how, for how comedy, many yeah. of you are there for me to murder today right. it's played yeah. for comedy in the way it's shot and also the soundtrack i think is mm-hmm. like meant yeah, to make yeah. it feel like very uh Tw- quentin tarantino-esque i would say and and at that point i'm like okay I've kind of lost my sympathy for this character. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie is about trying to bring your sympathy back. Yeah. Then she sets her parents' house on fire right. and walks away too. Oh yeah. It's I forgot a, to mention that she yeah. mercilessly uh, murders her parents as well. Locks them in the, locks um, them in. yeah. Right. Uh, Valerie, have you seen this movie called the imposter by any chance? I haven't, but I just want to mention that um, her father is played by, um, very famous French director. He directed um, House of Tolerance, Nocturama. Uh, I'm, his name is escaping me. Um, Vincent Linden? Or no, no, he's the, he's the fireman. Yeah, Bertrand yeah. Bonello? Is that who you're there we go. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yes. He uh, plays her father in the film, and he he directed some like very good French films that I'm a fan of being zombie Mm, child. mm. Uh, Again, house of tolerance is a big, big, huge one. It's one of uh, Adele Hanel's first films, Adele Hanel being from portrait of a lady on fire. He directed Nocturama. And so it was interesting to see him Mm. in the film as well. Yeah. And he, he is great. Actually, I would say, I would argue both of the, the main character is obviously amazing. But mm-hmm. I would say both of the father figures yeah. are pretty impressive with what they have to do. Because um, he doesn't really have words, right? He, yeah. It is his entire performance is my kid is kind of a dick who's kicking me right now <laughs> while I'm driving. And uh, hey, as a dad who is ferrying around a toddler right now, like I, I fully understand that. Um, but yeah, his performance is all about like withholding from her and just being annoyed by her existence. And I think that tells us a lot about like yeah. The, They're the allegories. Yeah. yeah, this movie is trying to go through. Her other father is also uh, Vincent Linden or yep. Vincent Linden, mm-hmm. however you pronounce mm-hmm. it. And uh, he just he has a lot of features in his face. Um, a lot of like good a lot face. of uh, yeah, great great <laughs> cinematic face. A lot of stuffs happened to that face. Um, um, but the, I was the uh, French. Uh, who's the Law and Order guy? Um, I'm trying to think of the lead actor. Uh, French is, dude from Law. Mm-hmm. Isn't that who I'm talking about right now? The the cop guy, yeah, the cop, or, the, guy. or he's the firefighter guy. The he's the fire. Guy. No, I'm saying yeah. he looks like the what's his face from. He Law looks and like Order. um. He's saying he looks like Stabler, like yes. Chris Maloney. Oh, I see. My I see. Maloney, the French Christopher yeah. Maloney, basically. That is, I thought, is Christopher Maloney in Julia DeCorno's next movie? Is that how cool he is? No, this guy just looks <laughs> a lot like him. Yeah. So, Valerie, I'd asked you about this movie called The Imposter. Um, it's, uh, a 2012 movie directed by Bart Layton and it's, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, actually. Uh, I don't know if she was inspired by this movie, but what happens in the imposter is, um, a, uh, per, a, a Texas family, their son disappears and years, like decades later, he resurfaces, but he's actually not the son. It's actually a completely different person pretending to be him. Mm-hmm. Wait, um, is, are you talking about the documentary? Yeah, documentary, yes. The Imposter. Yes. Yeah. Ah, I have and, not seen it. And the question is, and, and like when he resurfaces, he is 
it's like a, a con person, a con man who like pretends to be the sun, right? Like that resurfaces. And there's all these questions about like, why wouldn't the family have understood that this was not their son? Like, wouldn't they have known that this was not their son? Uh, and if they, if they, if they didn't know, why didn't they know? If they did know, why did they accept their son back anyway? Maybe they murdered their son. And they're like trying to cast off suspicion by being like, oh, hey, the son's mm-hmm. back. He's still actually, he's actually still alive. Um, I think that Tatan asks a lot of the same questions, right? Like when this woman pretends to be this guy's son, he uh, he welcomes her back. But it's like, doesn't he know that it's not his son? And if so, like, it's very why obvious. Would yeah, he... yeah. Right, <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty obvious, and I, I think like it's implied that there's there's been some abuse between the father and the son is mm-hmm. my my sense of it. Um, but it, anyway, I, I think uh, the imposter was definitely like a huge kind of thing that I thought of while watching Tatan, and this movie Tatan kind of combines these genres in a way that I honestly feel like is a little bit unwieldy. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, it, this the slasher genre and this kind of like impo- like. Th- I don't know that the imposter is a genre, but this kind of story of a person trying to find a family, even though they're not from that family, um, I think it's a little bit unwieldy. You know, I, I don't know that mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. all kind of makes sense in the end. Plus, there's the uh, car pregnancy as well. But <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, you know, and, and on that note, I saw an interview with uh, with the director where she explained kind of uh, why she uh, felt that way about, like, why she was thinking about this about a car. She says, quote, um, like around the time she's writing this movie, she began, the director began to have graphic nightmares about giving birth to pieces of a car, one grisly piece of metal at a time. And then she says, quote, I think the collision between this pure act of life and this material that is dead and cold on the floor was something that disturbed me and Hmm. was also attractive to me. End quote. Cars are also terrifying. They, yeah, yeah, they kill many, many people every year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the the movie has a lot of ideas, right? It's it's trying to yep. get this idea about like this woman pregnant with a car, and and my sense is like one other idea it's exploring is the idea of like what it is like to be pregnant and and like mm-hmm. the feeling of being like you are a machine, you know, that who's uh, who is kind of dispensing this mm-hmm. other thing that's not part of you necessarily uh, is another thing that's alluded to. I guess I'm curious, Valerie, like if you took anything away from. Uh, her car pregnancy, which kind of results in the culminating act of the film. Like what, what was your interpretation to, of the car pregnancy? I, mm-hmm. I think I had asked her around in a roundabout way. And she said it was something that she wasn't really interested in explaining. The perfect answer. Yes. I <laughs> totally get. Yeah. And I think people have tried to make sense of it in their own way. And everybody's just sort of, you know, going to YouTube and listening to video essays and agreeing with what they think is, is, the answer but mm-hmm. um you know i'm not really too I, I i just don't think we live i don't think i mean if you watch if you're familiar with julia ducarno's ducarno's work it's she mm-hmm. she they these characters exist in a completely different universe right 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 separate to our own it's like you know you know how you have the marvel universe that's like 616 <laughs> 189 earth six like you know what i mean i think it's just some kind of parallel universe that (laughs) exists in her head and she's just like how can i create a story about rebirth and redemption and and love and beauty Mm -hmm. in this way and that's kind of what 
Yeah. She did. I don't know how the hell she made all of these details work, but she certainly did. Cause I thought about it days later. I'm like, so we have a car, pregnancy. This lady is going around breaking her limbs to look like this child. And then the mother of the boy is like, I don't care. Just, to, I was just like, okay, yes, yeah, so this must yeah. take place in some, you know, you're going to have to. There are some films where you just have to suspend disbelief. Like recently I saw A24's Lamb, which also premiered at Cannes and under uncertain regard. And and it's a film about a sheep that gives birth to a human sheep. Well, don't, don't, don't say what happens to Lamb in Lamb. I'm not, I'm not going to no, tell you no. that. I'm not spoiling it because everybody knows what it's about. No, but no, I was no, saying. No, that was not in the trailer. <laughs> that, um, yes, it was. Uh, you I see got, it sitting down I, I, yeah, in a coat yeah. and you see the hand reaching out. I yeah, swear to yeah, God, yeah. it's in I actually got to agree with Valerie on this one. That was kind of in the trailer, but I, yeah, w- yeah. what she's describing happens very early on in the film. So, yep, yep, yep. yep. Depending on the, the point of what I'm saying is yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the film, there are some films that ask us to yeah. suspend disbelief for the sake of the story. Um, I, I just didn't expect to have to buy it so fast. Right, right, and right. And. It's not, but what I like about what Julia Ducournau did with that element is it's not something that goes away. It's not mm-hmm, like, oh, mm-hmm. she, you know, has sex with a car and that's it. She's a weirdo. It's like, well, here are the consequences. And, you know, we are constantly reminded that there's a lot of fucked up shit going on. Mm-hmm. She kind of just continues to pile it on, kind of like Raw, where things just continually get worse. Um. Well, I would say a yeah. difference between Raw and this movie is like, in my opinion, everything that happened in Raw could have actually occurred in real life. Yeah. Right? Like, there's a level opinion. of reality, yeah. I think, in Raw that that movie, like, it, you, there's a lot of subtext in Raw, but I think taking that movie literally, it is very easy to parse. And yeah, you could, you could a- assume yeah. everything happened in literally yeah. reality, right? Like, the, yeah. the jump that you have to make in Tatan is that there's stuff that, like, can't happen physically in our world we're in fantasy Um, land right you cannot watch this movie literally because uh yeah you will go mad but at the same time (laughs) it has the graphic brutality and gore and blood of like a literal you know Mm -hmm. situation and i think that's like you know i'm not sure i I, you know at this point i'm not sure i feel about it valerie go ahead what were you gonna say i was gonna say that i think something that you that she mentioned when i interviewed her that she mentioned that is also true in an element that she feels that many people suspend disbelief when it comes to a female serial killer. Mm-hmm. And uh, one that is, and we talked about it, like it's in the interview and we've talked about it in person, one where you don't have, you don't have a woman who's killing as a vigilante or a woman that's involved with children. So like films like Kate and mm-hmm. Gunpowder Milkshake. Or Revenge, um, yeah. Yeah. Or you know, or Rape Revenge mm-hmm. or one that involves, you know, a man of some sort, like the villainess. Um it, it's just this chick who may or may not be already because when we see her in the car at the beginning, clearly something is already wrong with this child. Yeah, yeah, and then, I think the, the, there's a lot of stuff we can start saying about what the underlying story is. But go ahead, Valerie. Yeah, and you know, there's something wrong with this child, and then this accident happens that 
could have exacerbated or could have awoken something innate or Mm -hmm. could have been, you know, we don't know. And that was something that the director also didn't want to elaborate on. And I also Mm -hmm. don't blame her for that either. But I do appreciate, you know, seeing a film where, and Raw is the same way, where it's like these chicks are just going around killing folks (laughs) because they can. Uh They can get away with it very easily. Yeah. Right. And we see so many films with men who are killers who are just doing it because Mm -hmm. they can you know seven is a great example it's a great psychological thriller but Mm -hmm. you know his purpose is yeah 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 you know the seven sins it's not it wasn't spurned on by revenge or you know his wife dying or anything like that he's just killing people because he thinks that the sins are uh, purpose when I first talked about this movie, I brought up the idea, like it's trying to make you empathize with Michael Myers. And to me, this movie is, yeah, the idea of Michael Myers in, in John Carpenter's first Halloween, right? Is there's nothing driving him. He is pure evil. That movie opens with him as a child, you know, murdering his sister, right? And that's it. He's, he's bad and he's out there and he's killing people. And we don't need more than that because we understand it. This movie tries to do that plus the empathizing part in the second half. And I think that is kind of uh, kind of wild, to be honest. Right. Like even I, I need to rewatch this movie because I think the opening car scene with her and her father says a lot without any words. Right. She she is kicking the seat. She is demanding attention. And the father is like, I, I am done with this kid. Like, I don't want to I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to acknowledge her. Uh, and then the kid does something. Kids do a lot of things for attention. And taking off a seatbelt and doing something dangerous is exactly what one of those things would be. So I've been reading this movie as somebody who's been like demanding love, asking for love, maybe not getting it. Um, Also, maybe is not processing certain amounts of like human empathy, right? Like she she is, there's like um, antisocial tendencies here where she does she just doesn't quite understand the value of human life there's the scene with her and her father that we see after um the the car sex scene but the father comes home and he goes to like make a very nice a very nice meal for himself right like and preps it on a table and everything that is the moment she chooses to go into the kitchen to prep a meal alongside it and it's like she is grasping at any any moment to just like be near this guy and try to make him notice her. And he is just like, he doesn't talk. I, does he even say hello? I don't think he does. He, no. he like doesn't acknowledge her. And he goes and sits at the table and she gets her crappy meal um, and sits on the couch. But that felt like, okay, she got her family time or at least a little bit. She could like, she is in a desert trying to sip water, you know, from a cactus or something. And that's what she got. And the entire pregnancy is like, she is fighting it. She's refusing it and it ultimately kills her. But it is also as she finds a form of love in the second father. She finds somebody who can can give her that attention. She's kind of always wanted to. Um, at least that's kind of how I've been feeling this. But I really need to rewatch it. I think that's a great read, Devendra. Um, mm-hmm. That makes that makes sense to me. And I think, you know, I, I, I do feel like the car birthing idea. So, Valerie, just to be clear. No issue with the idea of female serial killer as a realistic mm-hmm. thing. Like I think the, <laughs> my my talking about the realism of the movie is re- in reference to the uh, getting impregnated by a car and then giving yeah. birth to one, and then giving birth um, to a metal baby. Yes, right, right. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that idea is like probably one theme too many for this movie to handle. Personally, 
but I do kind of resonate with the idea of here's a really fucked up person. She's kind of meeting another really fucked up person and together they're like forming some kind of family. There's been uh, right, many right. movies that deal with this. Like recently there's that one. Um, what is that one with the adopted uh, family that was nominated for uh, uh, Oscar? I think um, we reviewed it. Uh, it was a Japanese movie, right? I think. Oh yes. Uh, shoplifters. Yeah. Yeah. Shoplifters. Right. Yeah. Another, another kind of um, example of like a found family situation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this, you know, in, in a very roundabout way, this is kind of about um, a found family. Absolutely. Um, and also dabbling in so many things too. Like I love once it's like dabbling in like machismo, you know, in the second half, like her trying to pass as this like kind of effeminate looking guy and all the buff firefighters, um, there are the scenes with the firefighters just like broing out <laughs> that I think are hilarious, just absolutely hilarious. And them like being um, very like homophobic in terms of how they relate to her character. And uh, then it's the homoeroticism of like those, <laughs> those communities where guys are just shirtless dancing together too. That is, uh, I think it's hilarious. There's a lot of funny stuff. I love the, by the point where she starts pole dancing, or like just dancing very provocatively at the top of something. They're like, I, I don't know what to do with these feelings. I (laughs) I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very confusing for them. Yeah. I was Um, the only person in my theater, like cracking up at that scene. It's so good. (laughs) Oh man. So damn funny. And I just laughed about the entire thing. Tell us more about why you found it funny, Valerie. Just, Mm -hmm. I think I understand, but I just want to hear from you. I don't know, just watching men in discomfort. It was funny to me. <laughs> very strong <laughs> men, very muscly like, men. But also, yeah. 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 And just watching them, like, you know, fade different faces. Some, like, I kind of like this, but I, maybe I shouldn't. Or, you know, or people just being, like, utterly disgusted. And then, like, you know, people walking away and she just keeps going. And I just thought that was so funny. Uh, it is. It is also, they just. Like, yeah, they kind of mm-hmm. like don't know what's happening, basically. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It's like yeah. a Borat yeah. sequence almost of like when <laughs> when like Sasha Baron Cohen like goes and hangs out with bros and then like starts making people very uncomfortable. Yeah, um, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Valerie. I was gonna say uh, mm-hmm. whenever y'all wanted to talk about the acting, but I know we still talk whenever. about the movie. So go for it. No, let's get into it. Go ahead, Valerie. I thought that this is um, a goth. Rossell, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, yeah, let me see. I'm yeah, gonna make Roussel. sure. I'm... Roussel, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like this is her first feature film. It's wild. And yeah. one thing she told me in the interview when I interviewed her was that her ro- like her, she had way more speaking lines, and she said they got cut as they went along in editing. She was supposed to talk a whole lot more. And I was like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, wow, Julia Ducournau did you a favor because <laughs> you because you said everything with just like 12 lines of dialogue. It oh, was absolutely. just all about that yeah. body language. Yeah. And she's a very great physical actress. And, you know, people saying that she's like in the top 10 for like best actress and to be honest, there's that's only one of two performances that I've seen that I think is majorly strong. Mm-hmm. Three, okay, three. But <laughs> well, uh, it, what I think is incredible about the movie is that they introduce this really interesting character, 
And then about a third of the way into the movie, they introduce a, me- a plot mechanic whereby she basically cannot talk anymore, right? Yeah. Because the idea is that if she speaks, they're going to know that she's not a boy, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's like really challenging to act without being able to speak. But I think she does a really great job in this film. So I agree. She's, she's very, very good. Very good. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's definitely... And you know Vincent, Vincent, Vincent Lindon has mm-hmm. been acting for years, and he's you know very well respected um, actor mm-hmm. um, in France. So, um, you know he's done a variety of different roles, but I don't think he's done anything quite like this. It, him saying this himself. So. I think you I, could say that nobody has done anything quite like this, <laughs> to be yeah. honest with you. But yes, yeah. I, I interviewed the car, and the car said they hadn't done anything like this either. Are you sure? Because so. I think it was the same car that was in Ridley Scott's The Counselor, and they'd actually, oh, you know, they, somebody, they in the, somebody in my screening said, "What is this, The Counselor?" The Counselor somebody said that in my <laughs> screening. The Counselor meets Christine. Basically, I, I have had the urge to rewatch Christine talking about John Carpenter movies after seeing this one, too. So and that one also is very much about masculinity and how men respond to to women in many ways. If uh, the car is identified as a woman, um, it is it, it is wild. And yeah, I don't know. Have you guys seen Christine? Yeah, Christine. Great movie. Great movie. Great a movie. long time ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. long time ago. Um, so. The question, right, I have is the end of this movie kind of is this moment of extreme tenderness, right? Mm-hmm. It, it starts, mm-hmm. the movie begins with a moment of parental negligence and it ends with this moment of like parental tenderness. And uh, my question is emotionally, did you get there? You know, Valeria, at the end of this movie, what, what were you left feeling as the as the movie ended and this father's kind of embracing, cuddling this newborn baby machine child uh i was like how the fuck they gonna make a sequel <laughs> like i think that was the first thing that came to my head i was like how do you follow some shit like this up but i don't think duke Arnaud is one for mm-hmm. sequels i just mm-hmm. don't you know i don't see her doing that but i i could see her doing something totally wild too because she uh she directed i think the first two episodes of m night Shyamalan's servant tv yeah. uh, the second season of servant which it was wild to me to see her name pop up there because I'm like, you're a genius. What are you doing hanging out <laughs> with M. Night Shyamalan on his Apple TV Plus show that nobody's watching? That is just k- kind of insane. Um, I've I, heard I the show know. is very good. It's I, I really like it. Yeah. That show, like I've seen all the episodes, but yeah. nobody is talking about M. Night Shyamalan's <laughs> servant, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Other than you, Divinder, be the change you want Other to see me. in the world. Other than yeah. me, yeah. So, and Valerie, it sounds like you were a big fan of the ending then. I I, I actually really dug it because that's when it hit me. I was like, oh, so I was mm-hmm. like, redemption and now rebirth. Because there is a sort of cycle that happens when you commit a crime or you commit do something bad and you atone for that and then you get the redemption you seek and through that you are reborn. Um, so I don't think that uh, Alexa is dead. I think 
that she's just born in a new body, mm-hmm. reincarnation mm-hmm. of sorts. Did you, you know, did you feel like what she did in this movie was like sufficiently redemptive? No. <laughs> I mean, she's a reprehensible individual. Right. Absolutely. And I told, I definitely told Julia Duker know this. I was like, she's like, good. I was like, that bitch. I was like, she doesn't deserve anything. <laughs> yeah. So, but, well, but you just said that it was kind of like she, she can be redeemed, but like, it, just, it sounds like she doesn't deserve it necessarily. Is that what you're saying? It's, it's really like, you know, and I actually cannot stand films that emotionally manipulate people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for raw, I mean, but for Tidon, there's no other way for this to work <laughs> if you don't manipulate the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And like I was telling my friend, I was like, okay, so I know we just walked out of there feeling like all uplifted, but that bitch just killed like eight people. <laughs> so many people, and her parents, her parents who could have left the house but she goes there opens their bedroom door and says peace out and locks just takes the key and locks the door and i still i still wonder about that about like what I what mean, does that they, they may have mean? jumped out the window or whatever we Maybe, don't yeah we sure don't sure yeah but, there's your you sequel know, actually yeah <laughs> the grandparents come <laughs> So and so it sounds so, like emotionally it worked for you, but like mentally, intellectually, mm-hmm. you're like, wait, this person is terrible, right? Like, is yeah, that, I'm like, yeah. this is still terrible, but I, there, there was no way that that body could survive, that she could survive because she is shit. And, mm-hmm. you know, she has been reborn through this experience, but. Mm-hmm. You know, eight people are like dead. So eight people like, are dead. Also, she spent like half the movie torturing her unborn child, right, by wrapping herself up like that too. That's a it's a lot of wrapping to get that yep. hidden. You know, that is uh, n- not not good for the baby. So she and she was willingly doing that as well because she wanted to hide from her problem. So yeah, because so with yeah. that baby being pressed up against that yep. engine in mm-hmm. her stomach, then it ended up getting all the car parts. So it's like she gave birth to a transformer, like Optimus Prime too. <laughs> I was getting real Tetsuo uh, Iron Man, you know. Oh yeah, everybody this. said. Yeah, everybody was talking about that. They were like, "Oh, did she give birth to Tetsuo?" Like, I'm like, I don't. There's your sequel. There's so but many, yeah, so many like, opportunities. Yeah. To to the extent that she does, she doesn't do anything like like action wise to atone, but she does suffer greatly throughout the course of the film. And she right? she like, kind like, of oh, yeah. uh, she yeah. is sort of a savior for this broken man. Yes, she and she I does kind of give this good. guy a sense of family again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's what Ducarno mentioned in the in the interview is that she was like I I was building empathy through yeah. her suffering. Mm. And she was like, you know, I, I knew that nothing that she said would make people give a shit about the crime she just committed. So she's like, <laughs> I'm going to make her suffer. Mm-hmm. And right. it's through that yeah. suffering that we feel bad. She, but she I, is I, I like the... You, uh, I agree with you that it's like mm-hmm. kind of manipulative though, right? Because it's like... Oh, absolutely. It's, it's just... <laughs> there's nothing she can do plot-wise to redeem this person. It's so that just meme. Making, yeah. It's the glee meme of Jane Lynch. Saying, I will build the most unsympathetic main character you've ever seen. Yeah. And that's her that was her plan. And the the hat trick, right? The the her goal at the end is to try to make you give a little shit about her. And for me, I think yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. 
I think I got there. And I, yeah, I got there eventually because at the beginning I was like, oh, she's like, I was like, no, wait a minute. Hold on. Yep. Yep. And I was like, then I was like, oh, dang. I was like, that's messed. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. And then at the end, I was like, damn, that's messed up. <laughs> oh, she's reborn. Okay. <laughs> I can have sympathy for the baby because it's not the baby's fault. And yes. even if she is the baby, it's a new her, you know, mm-hmm. it's new. And there's love there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she was like, I'm going to be. Yeah. Julia Ducourneau was like, I'm going to create a movie so manipulative <laughs> yes. yes. to make the audience love a serial killer. Exactly. So. Well, as we as we wrap up, I'm curious, are there any sequences or scenes that you all want to highlight uh, that, that were particularly striking to you? Um, I think dance? just the mm-hmm. the whole opening thirty minutes for me, yeah, is just like yeah. non. It's nonstop. It's masterful. Yeah. She's yeah. killing. There's just, you know the car accident, the dance sequence. She kills this guy, then she murders the four people, sets fire to the family. I'm just like, what is even going? It's like a roller coaster. It's it's the little things too. Like she kills the guy, and he just like convulses, <laughs> he convulses and drools and, like, all of her, and she's foams not at the mouth. Yeah, she's not grossed out by having to kill him. She's grossed out that there is drool on her. And yeah. I think and it's, all it's those implied little that she's done this many times yes, before. Exactly. Well. Like, yeah, yeah. I, it's, yeah. It's, it's implied that she's killed at least three other people. Yes. <laughs> Correct. She's Correct. on the news. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought that first 30 minutes was like, <laughs> like I'd never seen anything like it. And then the movie slows down dramatically as you're taken into this other plot line. But were there any other things, any other moments you, you all wanted to highlight that particularly struck you? I feel like thinking of this movie, I think of like specific scenes in like, even if the overall narrative maybe didn't hit me as hard as raw, individual scenes are just like seared into me right now. I think the opening dance with the car, there's some like good, oh, yeah. uh, good fellas favorite. That's like good fellas <laughs> energy of walking into the club yes. and the camera's just gliding and you go straight into this action. And she is just like a rock star and she has all these fans. And I love how this, sh- this movie doesn't take any time to explain anything. Like this is a, I guess a car show type thing where women dance with the cars. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're, they're do, do those happen in the U S I don't even know. Like, yes, I, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I haven't been to one Valerie. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. I've led a boring life. Sadly. Yes. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, but yeah, uh, Divindra, sorry. Were you, uh, no, you I mean, yeah. I, I think of so many things like all the stuff with the firefighter dudes, the scene where she, where Vincent kind of grabs her, I think grabs her to dance, um, mm. among the bros, but also the one where he tries unsuccessfully to dance with her as he's trying to like break down her walls. Like I, I, the pieces of this movie are like individual scenes of perfection and maybe just a part of me needs to like dive into this movie more to like connect them all together. But I think of like all those things, the, the whole, the big fire where the one guy who's suspicious of her, who's like, I should be his adopted son. Uh, he just explodes in the fire. Like everything is just feels masterfully like scripted. You think he just exploded in the fire? Oh no. The guy, the guy like okay, basically okay. he was, he was killed. Go get the he was thing. killed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Explosion, yeah. 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 Okay. So, I'm but, like, you uh, think Valerie, you just went kaboom? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Valerie, any uh, any specific moments that you want to highlight in the movie? There's a couple of things I want to highlight. The, the the car show scene specifically because the way that it's shot mm. is so... I don't know how to explain it. It doesn't feel <laughs> exploitive. Right, mm-hmm. right. It is... 
I don't know how to explain. It's like it's it's celebrating woman. her her skill of what she's doing there. Yeah. No, not not that's not what I mean. Like it's like mm-hmm. a it's like Julia Ducournau, the, the director, mm-hmm. who would like she was like, okay, how would men view these women? Right. So it's like the female gaze filtered through the male gaze. And it's kind of like a it's kind of like a mock to me, I took it as like a mocking of the male gaze. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. the music is so out of control and the stuff that they're doing is so out of control. And her dance is so out of control, <laughs> out of order. Just I was like, this whole scene is out of order. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it makes sense. It's so exaggerated because that's what men think women look mm. like. I got, I got like the, the Jennifer Lopez dance from Hustlers 2 where she is like owning her stage in a way, right? Like this is what I am put on this planet to do is to dance for this car uh, or something like she. Yeah, it seemed like she owned her stage quite well there and she had a ton of fans, too. So like so, clearly it's something people appreciated. Yeah. And also, like, the music, like, you know, mm-hmm. I talked to the director about the music and everything was intentional. And you can, you can, like, every song was intentional. And if you listen to the lyrics <laughs> of the songs that play, you're like, oh, shit, like, it's pretty on the nose. But you don't realize it because you're, fe- you're focusing on, you know, what's happening. But, like, in the first scene where, you know, he is dancing with, with her and trying to get her to like open up or whatever Mm -hmm. and the zombies she's not there is playing in the background like and you listen to the words i'm like okay well this is exactly what's happening in that scene for sure for sure um also done kind of in kill bill as well right like also for kind of the same purpose being very blunt about what's actually happening yeah yeah and and i thought that that was like a stroke of genius because she was like nobody's gonna notice it and nobody did like not very many people did and um because not very very many people asked her about the music but like that you know was great and just like small things like you know him shaving her face and then her face starting to get grow facial hair a little bit mm. and like just just stuff like that like you know the way scenes are framed i really love the framing of when like after she kills the guy she goes back in to take the shower and then she comes out to the car and it's like the only light in the room is from the car and it's like giving right, right. her dripping body this crazy like silhouette it's just it's just there's so many scenes i've never seen a car give me uh f me eyes but <laughs> that's basically what was yeah. happening there yeah that's yeah. what was happening yeah. and i yeah it's definitely um it's definitely uh <laughs> something i just really really dig the movie i really really dig the movie and i think i kind of annoyed uh agath uh rossell at the interview i was like i want to take a picture and i was like i know it's corny and she was like yeah sure it is but let's do it anyway that's great great now i'm embarrassed and now i have this picture that i'm never gonna post so um, it's just for you yeah yeah Yeah. but yeah i uh, I hope to be (laughs) the type of writer I'm not gonna. Co- I'm not looking to copy Ju- Julia Ducournau's stuff, <laughs> but I want to be able to write weird shit like that where women are just kind of doing, yeah, what they want to do because they. She's can. so free. I, I think that's kind of what's astounding me. Like this movie is so against any convention, 
right? And I feel like Raw kind of did a lot of that too. Whereas that one at least had like a a more sympathetic main character. This one, she is just writing outside the lines here. Yeah. The thing is, is that like the way that France finances films, like you could get funding to make anything you want and it's not under restriction like it is here. Huh. And uh-huh. you don't have all the gatekeepers. I mean, you do, you do have gatekeepers there, but like when they want to make independent cinema, they go to the government and mm-hmm. the government gives them money to make whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's here, how here we can't even have NPR without people complaining about it. So yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I think it is boldly original, and this is definitely a movie people should check out if they can stomach it. <laughs> also, uh, second, the shout out to the soundtrack. This is like a like Quentin Tarantino level soundtrack in terms of how oh, thoughtful absolutely. and good it is. In yes. my opinion, um, I think the soundtrack rocks, and you should definitely check out this playlist on Spotify. I'd recommend it. Um, I've been listening to it pretty consistently since yeah. i saw the movie so best use of the macarena in a film ever. totally yeah. totally taught me some life skills there yeah <laughs> all right well i think we can wrap it up there um but valor complex is an editor at deadline.com and we are extremely grateful for her joining us today on this week's episode of the Filmcast after dark which you can typically get over at patreon.com slash film podcast uh valerie thanks so much for joining us today uh, anything else you want us to shout out other than your interview with the director of this movie Oh, so you can check out my interview with Agath and 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 Julia uh, and Julia on Deadline.com. Uh, you could also follow me on Twitter at Valerie Complex and on Instagram at Valerie underscore Complex. You can also check out my website, which is ValerieComplex.com. Valerie, thanks so much. Uh, we had a great time talking with you. So good. Same. You know, always a pleasure with you guys.